soy Romario Ibarra y estamos escuchando Son of the Loons. or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast presented by cub whose bulk candy selection is nothing short of astounding i'm steve mcpherson and i'm joined as ever by cal williams cal your butt hurts oh yeah i was starting there are we? <laughs> <laughs> you're right. you're you're looking good you're working out uh which is tremendous appreciate it we had a little discussion about this i think you're you know it's you, You've, ne you've never been less than svelte in my eyes, but I, I sense a new power within you based on, on the rigorous off-season training you seem to be undergoing. Uh, well, yes. Um, I don't feel at all powerful whatsoever. I feel weak at the knees and, and okay. above, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, the, the missus and I have gone through... Um, we, we decided that, you know, we wanted to do this sort of off-season, um, you know, get-fit regime, if mm -hmm. you will. So we joined Lifetime and... Um, yeah, it, it hurts. Everything hurts. And, yeah. and literally as I came into this room and I'd said to you that we, uh, on Monday did like some sort of kickboxing class followed by a core class. And then Tuesday, um, last night we, we did a class called the, I think it's called the gluteus max out. And I said to her, <laughs> I, I don't want to do this. That's a great I name. do not want to do this because I know what it's going to do. Yeah. Um, my, my, like I hate squats. Squats are just the worst thing I like, ever. I'm actually good at squats. I'm very flexible. I'm terrible so. at squats. So I was just like, I don't want to do because we, we, we did a load of them on the Monday. I was like, I don't want to do anymore. Yeah. So we did. Um, and it was, I've been walking around like John Wayne this morning. It's been, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been, it's been a struggle, Steve. So, but no, I mean, look, we are enjoying it. Um, I, I want to sort of get back into shape. It's been a few years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this this next year could be an interesting year professionally for myself. So I'm, 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 I want to get back into shape and stuff. Because you, you feel good, don't you, when, when, you, when you're in shape? And yeah. The missus and I had a personal trainer in 2014, and he just ripped me to shreds. Yeah. And, and I, it was the best shape I'd ever been. I was still fat, but... <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Anyway. My, the best shape I've ever been in is still relatively <laughs> yeah. fat, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, so that's... Um, yeah, that's what we're doing at the moment, and we wouldn't mind just sort of getting back into reasonable shape. Um, but yeah, it hurts. Just everything hurts, man. Yeah, I think uh, I think I need to get over. I'm not really a class guy. I've never been like a. I'm gonna Neither go am to, I. I'm, believe me. Huh? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> tough. I you know I did it. I did CrossFit for a while, and and that was great. I mean, that was tremendous. Um, I I got into that because it didn't feel like a class in the same way. But I sort of have a hard time being like I'm gonna go into a room with a bunch of people and follow somebody's instructions. So I think I might just need to get over that and try out some of that, um, or maybe group fitness things. I've had I've done personal trainers before, and mm -hmm. it can be really good. Um, um, yeah, I'm trying to, you know, I, we, we were talking about this just before we started, but you know, I have, I have two kids and it, it, it makes it so that you have these little windows of time. And sometimes the last thing you want to do is, is exercise. But, um, but I would like to find that way for that to be the thing, mm. uh, for a thing that would be not necessarily relaxing, but at least fulfilling and leave me sort of, you'd have to do it for a while, but then to come out of it feeling like better prepared, um, you know, for your day overall, I was, I, I'm reading a book right now by, uh, Haruki Murakami, who's a Japanese author. 
wrote The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle is probably his most well-known book. Uh, the book I'm reading is Killing Commendatory, which just came out a while ago. I had actually, I forgot my book on the trip to Seattle. Um, and so I, this was the, the thing I recognized in the, in the airport bookstore. So I picked it up and it's, it's quite good. Um, he also has a book on running, uh, where there is a, there is a bit in it that I remember. Um, I do like running when I get into running after I sort of, a bit. yeah, when I sort of get into it, I, I sort of, I, I sort of like it. Uh, and he as sort of a, a, a casual long distance runner was something that he got into. He had the chance to interview a marathoner, like somebody who does this, you know, professionally or at least semi-professionally. Uh, and one of the things he, he asked the guy about is he said, you know, I, sometimes I just don't want to run some days, you know, it's like I get up and I'm like, I don't want to do it. And sometimes I don't do it because, because of that. Um, he's like, you know, what, wh what is the point like where you, you cross into, this is what I do. And, and I relish the chance to do it. And I, I go out there and I run these races. And the guy said, I never want to run. <laughs> He's like, every time I do it, I have to get over it. And so I think to me, I feel like it's one of those things that I have to get over is that, that I'm going to be like, I'm going to enjoy this, but instead just sort of say like, it's not simply about something that you're just going to purely enjoy. It's about something that you do for yourself. And so, so I'm working on that. Good. We're I working think on it. Good. I think as well, once you get past the the initial struggle, it can become quite therapeutic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, somebody who's in great shape and is always telling me to go and work out is, is Kindred E. St. Auburn. She, yeah. Um, you know, uh, has often gone to classes and whatnot and, and has sort of been um, once again smacking my arm in the booth saying, you know, you should go, go, you know, go out to a class and stuff. And <laughs> uh, so, well, I'm not going to go with you because you're going to make me look very stupid. So, yeah. um, no, but... Um, as I say, I think um, I think it can be. It's it's the it's the only place, Steve. I must admit, I, in this industry, you you more or less have to be on twenty four seven because something can happen and and you have to go to work. Sure. It's the only place when I go into these classes or go to the gym or whatever. It's the only place. Maybe not when I'm working on my own, but it's the only place when I go to these classes where I I put my phone away. Yeah. I just put it in the locker and I yeah. just forget about everything, and it's for you know, 45 minutes, an hour or whatever. Um, I did an outrageously difficult spin class the other day where mm. you've got to lift weights and all that stuff. It was My wife's a big fan of, of spins. So. Well, I'm not a fan of it at all. It's just, <laughs> I just understand why. Maybe a big fan isn't correct, but she goes and does it. So <laughs> she has been tremendous. She is committed to, she's recently been going to the gym like early every morning, getting up at oh, 5.30 see, and stuff like I, that. I, that's, I can't do that. I, I'm yeah. fine going after work. I can't go after work. I'm like, really? if I'm going to do it, I have to sort of be a morning person. Like I can't really do afternoons. Now you see, if, if I... Don't have to get up. Yeah. I won't. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm trying to maybe cultivate a in the evening, like post kids bedtime, like go to the gym at some ungodly hour for working out to like eight, nine o'clock or something like that. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> it's like an idea. I got ideas. Okay. Let's move on to something else that is in soccer. It's kind of a weird week, everybody. It's yes. we're sort of in this is zone of we had you know, the, the, the conference finals, we have, we have MLS cup coming up, which we will, we will get into. Um, but you know, we're in the off season. A lot of what my job is right now is assessment and review and looking forward to the new season and stuff like that. So we're not in a zone where a lot of on absolutely nothing is happening on field right now, generally. Um, I mean, other than watching, you know, uh, Chelsea and Ajax oh. like have a ridiculous game yesterday. Maybe we'll talk about that too. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is, uh, there's a new show on HBO called his dark materials. Okay. I don't know if you've, uh, 
seen anything about it so far. Mm. I think it's managed to fly a little under the radar. Um, it, a lot of people sort of, uh, it's sort of tab, it's has sort of been tabbed as like a follow-up to Game of Thrones, like sort of what HBO thinks can maybe be a new Game of Thrones. It has a fantasy element. It's based on these books by an author named Philip Pullman. And it's a trilogy of books and they're sort of doing each, as far as I know, at least three seasons here with uh, each season being one of these books. Um, and it's a sort of young adult, uh, YA, uh, book. Uh, my daughter and I just, my oldest and I just finished reading through the three books. Um, it, it's a great, it's a great story. I, it, it, I first read these books back in maybe 2000 or something. So a long time ago, they sort of came out concurrently with sort of Harry early Harry Potter, but never quite caught in the same way. Um, but they have a, a cult following. There was a movie that came out in 2007, which wasn't very good. It sort of tried to, uh, be maybe a little more kidsy, um, sort of lean into the youth book element. Uh, the, the HBO series just had its premiere, uh, just had the first episode was on Monday. And, um, I think I like the way it's looking right now. So it's, it's one of those things where there's a chance sometimes for people to get in on the ground floor of something that could be big. And I don't know that this will, it's sort of, it has, there's a bunch of hurdles it'll have to clear in order to really connect, I think, and, and do a good job with the story. But the first episode at least lays things out in a way that's very promising for me. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely encouraged by, it. and as someone who has read the books and I read the prequel that came out a little while ago, I sort of feel like I missed on game of Thrones. Cause I didn't start reading the first book of game of Thrones until after the show had premiered. Um, so I'm a little ahead on this and I'm trying to like hip everybody out there too. This is one of those things you could get in on. So what's it called again? Uh, the name of the series is his dark materials. The name of the first book is the golden compass. I recommend reading the books to anybody. Uh, the first, the movie was called the, the golden compass. Um, it's interesting. It's, it's a fantasy world. It's sort of, um, it's got a little bit of a steampunk vibe. Uh, it takes place in England, a place you are familiar with Cal. Mm. Um, it begins in Oxford, uh, then moves to London, which is where they're headed in the second episode. Uh, the sort of defining feature of the fantasy world is that human beings, um, soul basically for, for lack of a more precise term, um, some sort of combination of their soul or their subconscious or something like that is manifested physically as a, as an animal outside of their body and children, their animals, these are called demons and they change. Uh, and then once you sort of reach puberty, basically you become an adult, your demon sort of settles into, this is the form of the animal. Um, and so now, obviously nowadays with the technology, I think the animals are look very convincing. It's, it's very good. There's a lot of interesting wrinkles that come along the way. I'm not going to start spoiling anything for anybody. Um, but it's, uh, it, there's a lot of interesting things to be, to be done with the material as far as, um, ideas about consciousness and, and what that the demons see at first seems sort of like a, Oh, it's a trick. You know, there's, there's a, a counterpart to each human being. It ends up being a very significant thing for what the theme of the, of the series is going to be, which is a lot about, um, consciousness and morality and, and sort of religion and spirituality and all that stuff comes out, but it's sort of a ways down the road. So, I recommend that to you, Cal, and to anybody who's listening. Okay, I um, I will make a note of that for sure. That the, I guess the one show that I uh, have just binged once again is uh, a show that's very close to my heart because it's all about my hometown, Birmingham. Is the Picky Blinders? Oh yes. So um, my wife and I ended up going as the Picky Blinders for <laughs> Halloween, uh, simply <laughs> nice. because I I have all of the attire. Like it's not uncommon. Like I wear sure. a cap, like they do, just mm -hmm. because it's a very Birmingham thing. But um, yes, Peaky Blinders, I would recommend as well. That's very, very good on Netflix. I guess uh, I, I see that. I think I was uh, seeing that Adrian was was Adrian Heath was catching up on Peaky Blinders as oh, well. Oh, he was, so. was he? 
Seems like his kind of show as well. So <laughs> I think I started Peaky Blinders and then I didn't, it didn't catch for me. And so I didn't, I didn't head all the way into it, but I would definitely consider going back into it. I mean, it's, his dark materials has arrived at a good moment for me because uh, my wife and I just caught up on Shit's Creek, which is, that's not a swear. That's the na- person's name. Sorry. <laughs> S-C-H-I-T-T. Okay. Um, that's just the name of the show. Um, we just caught up on that. We just finished the most recent great British baking show, uh, which is, again, it's like, it's incredibly fluffy, but it's fun mm-hmm. to turn on for a while. So, so we're sort of at a moment of, we don't have a lot of, uh, of, of, of things lined up. So his dark materials arrives at a good time, but maybe Peaky Blinders we could get into. Let's, um, let's talk about some soccer. Now we've spent 10 minutes not talking about it. So, <laughs> um, international call-ups are coming around. Um, you know, the, the usual suspects from Minnesota United are, are going, um, this is going to include, uh, Michael Boxall, uh, going back with New Zealand where he hasn't, he hasn't been with the national team for a little while, but, um, all the other guys you would expect, uh, are headed up, uh, including Mason and Hassani to the U23 team. And then the new one, which is exciting is Chase Gasper getting a call into the camp, Mm. uh, January camp with the U S men's national team. Um, which I think is something you meant floated as a, as an option given sort of the, the national team's situation at left back. Yeah. I, I, although I must admit, I didn't think it would happen as quickly as it has. Um, but well done to chase. He's obviously impressed during his time on the fields. Greg Berhalter is very, very pro MLS and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, so, uh, you know, the more you think about it, it, it's not really too much of a surprise. And we've seen Danny Lovitz there, um, from um, Montreal Impacts uh, for the last couple of games. We've seen Tim Ream trying out there. Um, the, the nearest challenger, I think, for Chase now, and, and maybe it's the challenger moving forwards, um, is uh, is Serginio Dest, who, who was just uh, committed to the United States over Holland. So um, I, I think... I really think those two names, Gasper and Dest, could, could be the two battling for, for the left-back position, at least for the next sort of year or so. Um, because, look, I, I like Danny Lovitz. He's a good left-back. I'm just not convinced he's the answer moving forward long-term. Mm-hmm. So um, this is an opportunity for Chase, no doubt about it. Um, I'm intrigued to see what he does against, uh, you know, opposition that, quite frankly, you know, in my opinion, the U.S. should be beating. Um, I just hope he gets an opportunity. I hope he... You know, because we've seen it in the past with with our players and, and several others around the league. They go into the camp and they train. They train really well, but they don't really get the opportunity that they deserve. So I really hope that Chase gets a chance. I hope he gets at least 45 minutes. I hope he gets an opportunity uh, to, to show Greg Berhalter what he can do on the international stage. Yeah, I think it's a it's a good this is a good moment to mention another thing that I've been thinking about with with regards to Chase, and I've thought a couple times down the stretch of the season. But one of the things that's really impressed me um, about him is is how much how much more ceiling I think he has than I thought he did. Um, I think that you know when when he was picked, the sort of the conventional wisdom on him is he's the most you know MLS ready defender that was out there, and so that's one of the reasons he was picked. Um, and sometimes with guys like that, you figure, you know, again he's comparatively, he's, he was a rookie, but he's comparatively old as a soccer player, right? Obviously internationally, you know, he's, he's already 22, I believe. Yeah. Um, Usually in, in, I guess, most circumstances across the world, you you turn pro at 16, 17, you you sort of put into the first team around about 18, 19. So no doubt Chase has got a couple of years to catch up um, as, as a lot of collegiate soccer players do in this country. But, but actually I think he, um, 
he um, and one or two others in this league this year are the rarity where they, they seem to be ready straight away. Yeah. Uh, and that's obviously um, been evident with the form that he's, that he's been in and now with the national team call-up. Yeah, and that and so he's, he was ready to step in and he stepped in well. He, he showed more technical ability than I think I necessarily assumed. I sort of thought that when you say somebody is like, they're the most ready, it's like, well, this is as good as they get. They're 22. You know, he's going to be a, a decent left back, right? But he showed a commitment to defense, even though he himself said he wish he didn't have to defend uh, when he was on the podcast with us. Um, but in attack, you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't show numbers in terms of, um, you know, assists or scoring goals or things like that, but he showed a real willingness to have the ball at his feet, take guys on occasionally cut inside, like give it a try. I think you see things like that. I think that's gotta be a lot of what, you know, Burhalter and his staff are seeing that it's not just like, Oh, he can hold the fourth down out there. It's like, we could get, we could get more out of him than he's even shown yet. And I think that's something that we saw this season. And that's really, really exciting. Oh, it's terrific. And, and as I said, I just hope he gets the opportunity to impress and, um, and he just doesn't, you know, look, regardless, he, he's been called up to the national team and he's going to be training um, for his country's national team. That's a tremendous honor. Yeah. Um, but I, I just hope he gets the chance to get onto the field. You know, he's also a guy, one of the, th one of the little things I love about him is that whenever they do at, you know, at Allianz field, when they're doing the, um, uh, the national anthem, he's always singing along, um, which is one of those little things, but it's one of those little things that I think it shows how much playing for the U S men's national team is going to mean to him for yeah. going into this camp. Like, I think he really is one of those guys who is, like believes in that and believes in playing for his country and, and what that means. And that's, you know, that's exciting. So well, he wears his heart on his sleeve, doesn't he? Yeah, so absolutely. Sometimes he gets his shirt ripped off his, off his body <laughs> as well. Um, uh, we mentioned this before it was been, it was reported before it was announced officially, but, uh, Ico Parra and Michael Boxall have been signed to new deals, uh, extending their contracts. I think that's just one of those things that I wanted to touch on it. Um, because, securing that back line and saying, these are the guys and they're going to be here for, uh, you know, next year, certainly um, a few years after that, you're looking at uh, Roman, I'm sure is coming back, right? Um, I, yes. I don't see why he wouldn't. And Chase is obviously mm -hmm. with, so that, that, that back four, getting them like locked down, knowing that Ozzy Lons is going to be here another year. Jan Gregush is going to be here. That, that was the most successful part of the team. Um, including Vito Manone, which obviously that's still up in the air, but like that was the most successful part of the team. And so knowing that that is locked down, I was thinking about it this morning and I was really like, you know, you look at teams like there was a great little, I watched a, a, a great little highlight reel on, on Javinko, Um and you know, him playing for Toronto and sort of seeing some of his skill out there and things like that. And you think about Toronto's struggles over it's the beginning of its time in, in, in MLS. And then once you get those, start getting those ducks in a row, you start getting those players who matter and those players who do the right things. I mean, I don't know how it works in terms of recruiting players internationally. Like, I don't know if it's like, I don't know what, a, how much of an impediment Minnesota as a climate is. Um, obviously the team plays in the summer. So I feel like it's very nice here over the summer. <laughs> Everybody should want to come to Minnesota over the summer, but the team is really like lining up to be so solid at the back and established that way to really be like a, a standout forward away from being one of the top teams in MLS, like yeah. in terms of j the chances you would give them. I mean, a, you know, a shout away from securing the second seed. Um, really let down only by the finishing, which was the thing that was sort of the, the, we talked about this in that, in that the playoff game against the galaxy. That was the thing. 
the finishing wasn't there. You get an elite finisher in there or even a semi-elite finisher, and you're knocking on the door of those teams that are expected to be in the top three of each conference, basically. You, you get somebody who can score 15 goals in this team, then Minnesota United will be flying. There'll be absolutely no problem at all. Um, but I do remember early on, um, I think it may have been last year, I do remember saying, Steve, that I didn't think Angelo Rodriguez was an elite goal scorer. I don't think that's his role. Right. Um, and unfortunately, Minnesota United and a team that plays like they do, they, they need someone who can put the ball in the net on a regular basis, particularly if the three behind aren't going to contribute the numbers that you would hope as well. So, um, But going go to the back line, um, it, it's sort of the foundations have been set, haven't they? You know, and it's the first sort of box ticked. So, right, Minnesota have done that. Now we've got to go and, and maybe secure, whether it's Manone or another goalkeeper, then we'll go and get a centre-forwards, and, and, or I mean, not necessarily in order, but, yeah. you know, the, the roster building is now starting. I'm very, very intrigued, actually, to see there's a, there's a, a two-day trade window uh, after MLS Cup. Okay. I'm very interested to see that, I, I, as you do in this industry, there are lots of whispers that you hear about. Mm-hmm. Um, some names that I, I won't mention, but um, it would not surprise me if Minnesota do some business during those two days. I can guarantee you there will be other teams doing business during those days for sure. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be uh, an opportunity to to perhaps tick some more boxes as well. But um, going, going back to the, the back line, if you think about Toronto, Steve, um, even when Michael Bradley and Jermaine Defoe were signed, um, it didn't really solidify them as the unit that they wanted to be. Fast forward a couple of years, and they had the duo of uh, Drew Moore and Chris Mavinga at centre-half. And then they brought in Laurent Simon. And, and now they've brought in Omar Gonzalez as well. They are four starting centre-backs in this league, mm-hmm. and very good ones at that as well. Maybe Drew Moore, not so much anymore, but certainly um, at the age of 35, he, he has his own qualities, no doubt. So, um, as we have insinuated before on this very podcast, once you get your spine set, um, because if you think about those names and, and Bradley ahead, and then either side of him, it's you know Delgado or, or, or Zorio, um, and, and a couple of other different names that have played in those roles. Um, Benoit Sheru down the years. Um, once you get your spine set, then you can go and worry about everything else and go and get those boxes ticked. So the Minnesotan spine is set again for another season. Mm-hmm. Now it's down to the staff to go and get those other players that will tick the boxes. And, and, and look, I, I know that people are already away around the world scouting and looking at players. Um, so Minnesota United are, are very much undergoing the, the next uh, transitional phase for sure. Yeah, I think that it's been said before in a couple of different places that, you know, sort of center back and defense generally in MLS right now is sort of a market inefficiency. Like it's not that it's easy to get those pieces right, but, you know, you look at people saying that Opara was an overpay to try to get him. And then you see what kind of a difference he makes. And then you realize that maybe it's like, well, maybe if you pay, you know, a good amount of money for the right guy, you can it, that can that can make more of a difference on your team than, you know, get, not than getting the, I mean, if you can get the best striker you can get, obviously that's going to make a huge difference. You only have to look at the LA Galaxy and see like, there's Laton, that was the team, right? But, you know, in terms of those edge cases, like you could spend a little more on defense than other people do and maybe make a much bigger impact on your team by sort of leaning into that defensive identity. And I know it's not, to his credit, I know it's not the way that 
probably Adrian Heath envisions ideally building a team, right? right? He's an attacker. He wants to attack. Uh, he's, you know, been a big part of the success of a bunch of strikers uh, who he's worked with to develop. Uh, I'm sure he's working. I mean, we've seen the returns on Mason toy. And as that starts to develop, I'm sure that Adrian doesn't want to play a five, three, two on the road and sit back and absorb and then counterattack. But He's doing it. This is, you know, this is the this is the first step toward becoming the team you want to become. And I think that's that's a tremendous credit to him that he is willing to do that kind of work. So yeah, I can tell you from first hand experience him playing that five three two LAFC, it killed him. He did not want to do it. <laughs> right, but fair. he understood <laughs> yeah. why. Why you have to do it. And I, I thought he um he executed the tactics that day to perfection and, and obviously, yeah, obviously we, we got um I, I would argue um the most impressive win of the season. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some more contractual stuff. A couple of contracts not picked up from players that were announced last week. Um, uh, maybe we'll just go through these, talk a little bit about each player, you know, you know how they've, what they've meant to Minnesota United or, or what we think is, is, is going to be the future for them. Uh, Rasmus Schuler, uh, contract not picked up. Um, one of the remaining guys from sort of the first season, um, a guy who in that first season looked at sea. Um, you know, didn't really grab his place in, in the lineup, you know, went back on loan, um, came back. And then in the second season, it was great. You know, like really, really did a lot for the team, I think, to get it through. It was a tremendously difficult, you know, second season. Started in the first game of this season, um, but, you know, didn't really have a natural position to play with with Ozzy and Jan stepping in. And he was sort of, he was playing left wing as sort of an inverted left winger. Um, didn't really, you know, pan out for him. I think he's, I, I didn't, at first I, I sort of questioned his abilities because of that first season, but I think we saw that he is a very capable soccer player and, and will absolutely go on to have a career. Um, you know, he's playing internationally still. So, um, really great guy, really thoughtful also is the other thing about him that like he, he, the couple times he didn't always want to do a lot of interviews. He's kind of a quiet guy, but if you got him talking about something that he was interested in, Really fascinating, uh, big reader, uh, and so I really appreciated his presence in the club. Yeah, and, and he will always go down as one of the the first players that ever played for this club in MLS. You know, and um, I think also, Steve, you, you're right. Obviously, he found it difficult to get in the team with Alonso and Gregish, but also the emergence of Hassani Dotson um, yeah. really put the nail in the coffin for him as well. You know, and I think he would have played a lot more if Hassani hadn't have been as good as as he was this year. Um, and, and look, no hard feelings. There's, you know, Minnesota United aren't suggesting he's a bad player if they're not renewing him. Yeah, um, right. It's just that the simple fact of the matter is is that we operate in a salary cap league um, and there's not room for somebody on the roster who's making what he was, um, particularly, as I've said several times now, with, with the young players emerging like Asani Dotson. So, um, you know, good luck to Raz. I know he's on trial right now at a team in Sweden. Mm -hmm. um, AIK, I believe, who, who are one of the top teams in Sweden. And and look, I, I hope he signs there and does well. Um, I, I watched him um, during the last international break, uh, just before the playoffs uh, got underway. Um, and I thought he and uh, Robin Lerd that particular evening looked very, very good against a very strong Italy team. Now, Finland lost the game 1-0 in the end. Um, Immobile scored a great goal, but um, I, I, I you know, was thoroughly impressed by both of them and, and, and didn't need any further evidence that both could play at a very good level. 
um, mm-hmm. after that particular performance. But, um, you know, Rasmus uh, will always go down, as I said, as, as one of the originals. Um, and I'm sure we'll always be welcomed back here with open arms if he comes back on vacation or whatever. And, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, look, as I said, we, we wish him all the best. And um, I... I would be stunned if he didn't sign for a top team in, in Scandinavia somewhere. Yeah. Uh, another guy, uh, a thoughtful, bright, great guy to talk to, Colin Martin, um, who is also one of the originals. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, when he made it out there on the field, had some great games for Minnesota United. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, he was he was on loan for part of this season. Um, I think he just he really wants to have the opportunity to play somewhere. And that's another thing about this. Again, it's not one of these situations of, oh, well, this player isn't good enough to play for us. It's just a matter of timing, slots, things like that. Um, I think Colin needs to get more run. Um, you know, he's still a young player yes. um, and, and has a lot of talent. I mean, I think his I think his steadiness in central midfield has gotten better over the time here. So um, and again, a great guy. Always interesting to talk to. He was loves to travel. Um, I love to talk about travel with him uh, and and really great guy. Really good lad. Really pleasant human being. Um, got a lot of time for Colin Martin. And again, wishing nothing but the best. Um, I uh, I know he was obviously, as you mentioned, on loan with um, an old friend of mine, Jimmy Nielsen, down at, at Hartford or up at Hartford, I guess. Mm-hmm. Would it be down? It's, <laughs> it's pretty close. It's yeah. down technically. Across, but let's yeah, just say that, we're kind we? of even with Toronto, so you know, <laughs> okay. it's down. It's down from here. But. Okay, so he he you know did well at Hartford, um, and uh, for me, his finest moment in a Minnesota United jersey was the away game at Montreal this past season, where mm-hmm. we won three two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he delivered a, a fabulous little ball over the top uh, for one of the goals. I can't remember which one it was, but um, I, I thought to myself, you know, this this kid is still very good. He's got tidy feet. He's a good player, technically um, astute as well. And um, do you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if one of the expansion teams took him. Yeah. Would not surprise me as at all. A, there are certain guys where you, you know, like I think in that expansion role, you you want guys who have experience with expansion sides, Absolutely. who have experience in MLS as well, who, you know, who've come up through the system. He was, he was a homegrown player, you know, and things like that. So I could see him being very valuable for, for an expansion side. And we've got a couple of them coming up. So. Yes, we do. Yeah. Now Carter Manley, terrible human. No, I, I he's, <laughs> he's great. Carter's great. I just felt like I'm just telling how, how nice everybody is, but, uh, <laughs> But Carter's great. Um, you know, he went on loan to Las Vegas, uh, which I can't imagine how much. I really uh, is disappointing to me that I didn't really get to pick his brain about the experience of playing for you know Las Vegas with the crazy uniforms and dropping cash on the field and all that stuff like that. Um, and the but, llamas. Yeah. Let's not forget the llamas. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be crazy. Uh, you know, I, I absolutely wish him well. Um, do you have, do you have anything you want to share about Carter? Uh, again, yeah, a quiet guy. Um, yeah, you know. Uh, Seemed really, really nice. Um, but, you know, I, I think, unfortunately, it just didn't work out for him here. And and I hope what happens um, to him now is he, is he seemed to thrive when he was comfortable. Um, and, and I don't think he was ever really comfortable at this level. Yeah. So I hope what happens is is he seemed to, to do very well for Forward Madison. So for me, that seems the obvious place for him to go. Yeah. And I know the fans really like him at Forward Madison. I know yeah. Daryl Shaw and everybody really likes him there. So um, I, I, unless he has a better alternative, I... I Really hope he goes and signs for Ford Madison and, and continues his career there. Yeah. All right. Uh, Wilfred Mwembe um, Tarat, uh, who, to me, obviously he had some great moments on the field. Um, also, <laughs> sound like a broken record. Really nice guy. Uh, you know, French, uh, you know, I think that was, it was big for him coming over for Romain. You know, I think that that helped Romain a lot in a lot of ways. Um, also, 
uh, seemed pretty tight with Abu Dunladi. Um, I had a great conversation with them in line with the security at, oh, really? at SKC. Uh, well, SK, well, in Kansas City, because that, that airport is awful. But uh, sorry, sorry, Kansas City. But your airport's <laughs> terrible. Are they uh, fixing it? But we had a, yes, uh, yes. But we had a good conversation, um, you know, talking about living in Paris versus, you know, like uh, Abu had lived in Los Angeles and the sort of, the, you know, living in a city versus living, you know, outside of cities and things like that. And he, you know, he was, eager and fun to talk to his English would need to work. I knew a little bit of French so we could sort of work on that stuff. Um, had some, had a, that great free kick, um, you know, and I think has a lot of quality as a player, but you obviously, you know, you brought him in to see what he could do at a time when Chase Gasper is sort of emerging as the sort of, as the left back of choice. Um, so I think to me, I mean, I'm not going based on any inside knowledge. It just sort of seems like this is maybe more of a timing issue and a question of the investment level and things like that for him. Hey. Yeah, look, so what I'll say about Mumbai Tarat is he's a very capable player, and it wouldn't surprise me if somebody did actually make a jump for him in this league. Yeah. Um, but his um, acquisition was great for Chase Gas because it pushed him, yeah. and it was, um, you know, real competition for Chase, and it made Chase better. Um, but ultimately, again, as we've said before, Steve, we operate in a league that has a salary cap, and also in a league that when you sign a foreign player, they require an international spot. Yeah. So if you're not going to have one of those spots used on a first-team player, I don't see the the point in in having it. Um, I really don't. Unless it's a player that you're going to develop over the years or whatever, you know, I, I, right. I don't really see the point in doing it. So, again... Um, you know, I'm I'm sure he will go on and, and play back in France or play somewhere across Europe or whatever. But, um, you know, good player, um, but just, you know, probably not the right time for Minnesota. Yeah. And lastly, Ali Hamas and Ghazi. I never met the guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was... saw him training. I saw him training. Yeah. He's young, obviously. You know, he was brought in not with the expectation that he was ever going to get minutes this season uh, with the first team. He was in Ford. He was with Ford Madison for most of the season. So I don't really know the ins and outs of what his deal is. He's obviously young. So I don't know if this is really shutting the door to future opportunities or if it's just simply like this, this deal is over. We'll see what else happens. Yeah, I don't um, I don't know about this one. This one surprised me a little bit because I know the coaching staff liked him and yeah. I assumed that he would be a long-term project. Um, and look, I have no inside knowledge about this, but um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if if the coaching staff have said to Ford Madison, look, you know, we're not quite done with this kid yet, but if he's on our roster, it's an international spot. Right. So, yeah, that's sort of what I was wondering. Is there some other deal that's just like, you know, we have his rights, yeah. but he goes somewhere else and then he's there for some amount of time and then comes correct back, if, so, if, yeah. if i'm if i'm in charge of this club i probably say to forward madison and daryl shore i say take him because you, you've obviously you've played him a fair bit you like him take him and and we'll keep our eye on him and and just see if we fancy making a move again at some stage because then both clubs will benefit so um i'm interested to see as i said i have no inside knowledge of that 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 would just be what i would do if i was in charge so um Interested to see. I thought that the one friendly game he played, he, he looked tidy, good feet, good positioning, uh, a deep-lying central midfielder um, who seemed eager to have the ball a lot and, and um, good passing range from what I saw. So, um, look, again, he's very young and uh, I'm sure there is a place for him to land in the footballing world in the near future. Yeah. All right, let's move on to MLS Cup final. It's coming mm. up uh, between Seattle and Toronto. Uh Two teams that got there through upsets, which I love to see. Um, not to mention who they upset to get there. Um, so 
I don't want to draw any conclusions. Let's let's look back at sort of those those conference final games a little bit. Uh, it soccer is cruel, as <laughs> I believe Brent Collin was the first person to say that to me, and I think it just the the more I've sat with that statement, the truer it becomes because of things like, you know. It, just the slimmest of differences that don't really mean anything in the broader sense can mean the difference in a game where it's one game and that's all to play for. And that's where it is. Given that with that proviso, was there anything you saw in LAFC or Atlanta that led you to feel like there are flaws here that need to be addressed? I mean, to me, LAFC, obviously a tremendously dominant team, but Sometimes it's like a, a team just has to accrue some mileage before it can really, you know, like if things went right for Atlanta last year in a way. Um, I mean, between Almiron and, and, and Joseph Martinez being like playing out of their minds that, that let them, that, that paved the way for them to become champs. Right. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, you know, it, it, teams just need mileage. You know, this is one of the things that's coming up and talking about Seattle and Toronto is that as teams, as organizations, they just have institutional knowledge about how to win, how to stick in there. You got guys like Michael Bradley, you got guys like Nico Ladero, like just guys who know how to do this stuff. Not that there are not that there aren't guys on those on Atlanta and LFC who don't know how to do these things, but, but was there anything that you saw from those two teams that are, that are now out of it that just made you feel like it's just, this is why it's not their year. So for LAFC, that there's two overriding issues I think they have at the moment. Um, number one is I think that the fullbacks against the Sounders um, were were not great at all. And left back, they'll be fine moving forward because they have the Ecuadorian kid Palacios, who I think is going to be great, and, and they are very high on him. Right back, I think, could be interesting. You know, Beta Shure, um has been good for them. Um, I'm interested to see if he's going to be there next season. Uh, Tristan Blackmon has has been okay. Um but the main issue I, I thought, and it, and it has been a change for LAFC over the last um, couple of months, they, they used to play with a double pivot in the center of midfield. Now, since Mark anthony Kay was injured, they, they went with Atuesta as the, the lone deep-lying midfielder. Mm -hmm. And if you look back, and actually, so the reason I bring this up is because I think Atuesta is better in a box-to-box -box role. I understand he's good in, in the deep-lying role and... and Tremendous passing ability, wonderful range of passes. Um, but I think he's better with somebody alongside him. Um, and if you look at the, the goals for the Sounders, they all sort of came from that type of area. Yes, the ball was pushed in from out wide, but if you look at the goals, the, the two from Rui Diaz both mm -hmm. came from sort of, um, the pass came from the edge, and then the second goal from, from him, the third for the Sounders, it was him just opening up his body on the edge of the penalty area. And if you think back to the second Sounders goal, the Ladero goal, that also came from the edge of the area. Mm -hmm. So yep. I I think that's where LAFC, um, I'm not suggesting they need to go and get anybody because I, I think with Kay and Atuesta, they're set for a long time. Um, maybe they need to get somebody ahead if, if they don't fancy Lee win next season. But um, I, um, I thought that is where Bob got it wrong. I, I know he was looking after Mark Anthony Kay, who got injured on international duty, maybe wasn't ready to come back in, but I think with a double pivot um, in the center of midfields, um, they look a lot more secure and steady. And, and I think the Sounders took advantage of that for sure. Yeah. And what, and what about Atlanta? Um, um, Atlanta, um, I think right now it's, it. so I'm not convinced they're actually going to play this, um, you know, they've, they've sort of gone from uh, a 3-5-2 um, 
to a, a couple of different formations over the course of the last couple of, of months. And so I'm actually not sure they're going to stick with, with what we saw um, against uh, Toronto. Um, the, the big thing for them is they have to sort out the contract with Julian Gressel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope they do, because having players like that in this league is, is obviously a good thing. Um, obviously, Pity Martinez was not the success that they had hoped he would be. I think he'll be much better next season. Um, he showed signs down the stretch. Yeah, there were glimpses, right? for so, sure. Yeah. Um, people may very well disagree with this, but I I, I, I think Eric Renardi is is good. I'm not convinced he's the long-term answer. And I'm not convinced De Boer thinks he's the long-term answer because he didn't start him for the last couple of games either. Mm-hmm. They went with uh, Lorentowitz and, and Darlington Nagbe in the centre and let the others push on. Um, Lorentowitz... Um, I, I do wonder if he's got another season in him. If he does, he won't start 30 games. So sure. I wonder, do they need uh, another body in there, a holding midfielder to, to cement things? Um, so we'll, we'll wait and see. But um, Gonzalez Perez uh, has been good, although um, I always get nervous when he has the ball at feet. Um, Miles Robinson is tremendous yeah. and, and will be a part of the national team moving forward, whether that's yeah. starting or not. That's another debate for another day. Um, and then their fullbacks as well. I, I do wonder what they're going to do, as I say. Um, do they go with, with Gressel at right back as a permanent fixture or do they again go back to three centre-halves with the um, the, the wing-backs? I, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But ultimately, what a season it was for Atlanta. What a turnaround because let's yeah. not forget the start of the campaign went awfully for them yeah people bizarrely calling for De Boer to be fired already after three or four games which was utter garbage yeah um, Atlanta will be stronger next year and Atlanta will once again challenge next year yeah both of these teams being in the final should be a reminder to anybody who, who follows this league to not jump too quickly to conclusions in the first half of the season or the first three quarters or the first seven eighths of the season basically you never know you what never know happen. so uh now let's look at Seattle and Toronto um you know and and this matchup um on the broadest painting with the broadest brush strokes obviously playing in Seattle having been to Seattle and seen Central Lake Field that's a tough that's a tough place to go and play uh, for Toronto, it seems like a lot of people are pinning it on whether Omar Gonzalez and Josie Altidore are good to go. Um, they've only lost, I think, one game of the 14 that Omar Gonzalez played, uh, appeared in. Josie Altidore is obviously a difference maker for them up front and a guy who who knows how to score and can get it done. So do you, do you think that that is the difference maker? Like that it's one of these questions where the game is there for Toronto to take if they have these two guys in there who can sort of be that spine and sort of provide that 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 movement through the middle of the field. You've got a guy like Michael Bradley, again, who is past his prime, but is always down to fight for anything. You think Bradley's past his prime? I mean, maybe a little. I think he's in it right now. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, we have that debate another day. Um, yeah. And... Um, and if they have that, then 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 they have a shot. If they don't, then they simply don't against a Seattle. Like Rui Diaz looked terrific. Obviously, Nico Ladero looks great. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. What do you? What, what's your what's your what's your hot take on? Oh, um, so hot right now. <laughs> um. So Greg Vanny, throughout the course of the playoffs, has played the same team because they're winning. It was very difficult for them against Atlanta. Um, and then they changed things up when they brought in Nick DeLeon, who obviously scored the screamer um, to, in, in, in two of 
uh, two games for Toronto now. He's uh, he scored screamers yeah. in the postseason. Um, I don't know what Toronto. Do. I mean, so the, the obvious thing you would suggest is you play Josie, you start Josie. He's big time player. He's played in big games before, and I thought for the first time uh, in their last game they actually missed his presence and what he does because Pozuelo has been playing in this false nine position and he's been tremendous. Um, and obviously uh, single-handedly destroyed NYCFC when given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what, what Vanny does. It, he seems to be a loyal character. Um, I don't know him at all, but I, I'm just purely going from what I've seen on, on the field. Um, it wouldn't surprise me um, if he plays Josie Altador up front, but doesn't play Omar Gonzalez at centre-half, he sticks with Simon um, mm-hmm. and Mavinga. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, <sighs> jo- Josie is such an outlet, and yet he's one of the most infuriating players to watch you've ever seen in your life because he's got <laughs> every tool you'd ever want yeah. for a centre-forward. Um, but he's done it in big games. Um you know, you think back to when Toronto FC won it in 2017. I was just watching a little documentary-style piece, which you can see on the league website, which I recommend, um, which was great. And it reminded you of what he can do, especially when he's got a, a, a 10 behind him, which he will do in Pozuelo. Um, I mean, I'm just so intrigued to see what happens, Steve. It, 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 yeah. It's a cup final. It can go either way, you know. And, know, right? and <laughs> the Sounders, again, I, look, I'd, I'd be stunned if they change anything with Morris and Jones either side. Um, Ladero still for me is one of the best number 10s in the league yeah. and, and Morris looks great right now Morris is fabulous anybody who ever doubted him I question their footballing IQ um, every player has a little bit of a, a spell where they're not performing at the level that they want to um, and obviously he had the terrible ACL injury yeah. as well not too long ago um, and, and Rui Diaz seems to have hit form at the right time yep. so um, I, I just it's a toss of a coin this game as it really is and it's interesting people saying oh you know well Atlanta LAFC would have been a better final would it I, I, I mean don't know. <laughs> I, I don't I, you know maybe but um, the audacity of the, these two teams Seattle and Toronto to go away and win at LAFC and Atlanta United there is a reason why they are in their third MLS Cup for four yeah. uh, the previous four years um, I genuinely think um, that they are the most organized teams in MLS. Yeah. Uh, I'm not suggesting they're the best teams. Sure. Um, but I think they're the most disciplined and organized. And I think this is going to be an MLS Cup final for the ages. And I, I, I'm going to it. I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm looking forward to getting back to Seattle. It'll be really good. Yeah. Um, and I, I expect it to be um, something like a, a 3-2 game. I can see it being fairly open, actually. A 3-2 game with, with who has three and who has two. No idea. <laughs> what does your gut say? You don't have to tell me the score, but just what, do you, what, do you, what does your gut say? Toronto, actually. Really? Yeah, it does say Toronto. I'm yeah. going to go Seattle. So I, I looked at every reason to think yeah. Seattle would win with the home crowd and everything is sold out. You know, I can see that for sure. I don't really, it's complete reasons you bias and it's, it's, it's based largely on having seen more of Seattle and having, I haven't seen as much of Toronto this season. Um, yeah, I just, that Jordan Morris, Nico Ladero, Raul Rui Diaz, all sort of hitting form at the same time. Mm. It's very, it's very tough. So. Uh, yes. Uh, and I'll, I'll just make the Toronto case in, in that, you know, if, if Seattle keep Pozuelo quiet, 
then I could see the Sounders obviously prevailing. Whereas, and obviously Altidore, should he start? But if you start having this conversation, then, well, think of how many players for the Sounders you have to keep quiet. You yeah. mentioned three of them just then. Jovan Jones as well. Christian Roldan, when he fancies it, is one of the best central midfielders in the league as well. So mm -hmm. there's more to be kept quiet um, from a Seattle point of view. Um, but that's not how cup finals work. It's yeah. just a toss of the coin. And, and look, I'm, I'm very excited. It's going to be a really good final for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us for the 82nd Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Cub, whose deli meat is absolutely top drawer. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC and Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Entress. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you. If people can like you, exactly as you are.